1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory. At the top of what it created all those years ago, this is the 77 Club. Diogo Jota saves Wolves' blushes against Crystal Palace away in the Premier League through into the fourth round of the Carabao Cup and a tasty tie against West Midlands rivals Aston Villa at Villa Park in that one. We also chew the fat on Watford at home. It's the fight for bottom of the league. And we discuss what it could mean with Thomas Cook going bust and the rumours that Fosun want to sell a stake in the club. Hello, welcome to episode 86 of the 77 Club. Harry, start with the socials. The Wall 77 Club on Facebook and Instagram, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts, please write and subscribe. You're the pundits this week are Dan Bayliss. Hello, Wolves fans. And Jack Williams. Hello, carbon-based life forms. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, Premier League action on Sunday, a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace. I just want to go through that team because I think it... I would say it shocked most people when we saw Patricia in goal. Uh, Doherty, Bolly, Cody, Johnny, Sace, 
Jota, Matinho, Dendonka, Traore and Jimenez too. Harry, just your thoughts when that side came out. It was the changes that we wanted. Uh, instantly, my thoughts were fair play to Nuno because I think he had to change it. It hasn't been working in the league. We obviously haven't won yet. I think some fans just do made him because they're moaning that he's keeping the same team and not working. Then when he changed it, they saw the team. People were crying about Adama being up front. But and the, judging on the first half performance, he made the right decision. All we did... Oh, we didn't do, sorry, score. So, very good first half performance and I think the team was justified and I really liked the, the way they played first half. It was that first half display, wasn't it, Dan, that I think filled people with a, a lot of positivity because for the first time, it was almost the Wolves of last season that we were watching. That was exactly what I was about to say. I just thought, all oh, Wolves are back. Wolves are playing football again. Jota looked really bright. We were getting the ball wide. We were trying to get around the back. All in all positive, Palace looked really flat. They get the ball and they just tippy tap it round the sort of the edge of the eighteen yard box. It was um proper Roy Hodgson when England was shit football. Um but then all of a sudden the second half came about and Palace turned into Brazil. It was very it was very <laughs> straight. It was very strange. Alan Brazil. Jack, were you surprised that with that back three, obviously, I think that's obviously what probably raised a few eyebrows in the end, wasn't it? To to have Sace coming in and no Bennett. Yeah, maybe. I think not so much. I think it was more because it looked at times like we'd gone back to the formation we sort of started uh, last season with and were successful within the championship, really. I was a bit uh, worried about Adama being up front and my first thoughts were, God, who knows? Yeah, my first initial reaction was he might have lost the plot a bit. But yeah, it it did seem seem to start to work. And, you know, he had to change something because it obviously wasn't working. Uh, first half, yeah, it was, it was just much imp- much improved. First half, you know, we created chances. We looked a lot better. We we should have we should have scored. We should have gone in at least one goal up at half time, maybe not two. And then obviously, what happened was we got sucker punched right from the pretty much the kickoff of the second half. And it's the classic: if you don't score when you're on top, you get punished. And we got punished immediately after that half time whistle. And then, if I'm honest, fell apart. Again. And Harry Matt Doty obviously came close in that first half with a brilliant header. I mean, he couldn't have done anything else, and it was a fantastic save, wasn't it? Oh, brilliant save! And I disagree with Jack. I think we could have been a couple off. You had Jota's chance. You had Den Donkers cleared off the line for about five yards out. I mean, that it was just mad that we weren't. Um, ahead and then as you know it was struggling and they their goal man he was, he was going to hit the corner flag wasn't it and it's hit Dendonka and mm. gone in so but he was disappointing that Sace lost his head and got a second book in a tackle he did not need to make and he pretty much let the team down but look, lucky for him Jota got that equaliser and we didn't really deserve the equaliser second half Palace had them two great chances Ben Teke can't hit the side of a Renault Express so he missed and then I think it's Schlupp <laughs> Schlupp went through one on one and fair play to Rui that well known judgement he made his save and um, yeah <laughs> shots. and also I just want to say Austin Traore getting stick again online I don't know how I thought he was brilliant Traore he, he was cro- he, he made some good runs first half made a few good crosses and there were still people moaning saying he weren't tracking back and that for a start he was pretty much up front uh, in the at the beginning then he went to right wing back when Neves come on and set up the bloody equaliser so I wish Wolves fans would lay off Traore's back a bit he's been brilliant this year and he's assists he's up, he's already got more assists this year and he did the whole of last year it's strange isn't it and it was almost a tale of the goalkeepers making the difference wasn't it Dan because obviously we talked about Gaeta's uh, great save from Doherty and, and a couple of others but Patricio as well keeping out um, Ben Teke a couple of brilliant saves I think if you'd have just watched the game on the whole for the whole 90 minutes a two all draw would have been a sensible result Albeit there were some great saves in there as well. Um, we got a little bit lucky to get an equaliser, to be honest. I was stood there just waiting for the meltdown to happen. It, oh, was, getting a bit, it was getting a bit tetchy in the stand. It was um, 
There are a few times where you just think, God, get the ball in the box or do something, jotter and run at people and then get tackled. The one thing I noticed from watching the game is the amount of times Wolves players got dispossessed in the final third. It was nuts how many times the Palace defender would just stick a foot on it, tackle us. Um, but the first half was so much, such a vast improvement on the rest of the season that hopefully that's the positive we get to kick on. And just another positive, obviously, Jack, from Jota's equaliser, Wolves actually remain unbeaten in those seven Premier League games in London since promotion back to the top flight last year. That's winning three, drawing four of those. Last year was even better. Similar time of year last year, going to Palace, Matt Doherty, goal was the difference then. What do you think was the difference on Sunday? The difference between what, really? I mean, if I'm honest, Palace should have won that game comfortably. As Harry went back to, well, not based on the second, on the first half performance, but definitely based on the second half performance because we just lost our heads and it was just a terrible second half performance. And we just somehow got out of jail from a very a last, last minute goal. I mean, that was the last kick of the game, as we all know. And even then, the ball put into the box by Toronto, it was crap. It just, it was more of a defensive error than an actual, actual deserving an equaliser then. But obviously it's euphoria when it goes in because we've salvaged something from pretty much nothing. But um overall you still got to be worried and i agree on the on the size thing it's that's two occasions now this season where two players have got second yellows for similar offenses in similar positions Bolly's pulled a player back and got sent off at the last kiss of death against Everton. Sace has done it. I get everyone's frustrated, but there's no need to go and just pull a player back like that. And you put your team up against it. And and I know we got away with it, but maybe there's a discipline issue. And I know confidence is low. Frustration is high amongst the team. And you can see that. And it's just, hopefully, at least we can build upon that now. But we just, we just need a win. We need a win desperately. And if we do go a goal behind, we can't just lose our heads like we did at Crystal Palace. But we, we got lucky then because we should have been, if they could finish, we'd have been leaving there with, you know, losing two or three nil. Harry, just on that Sace thing, was it a, a case of um, poor discipline from Sace, but also we should know better with Wilfred Zaha because I think one well, of the stat that I saw Premier League debut that he made in December 2013, he's had six opposition red cards. That's the most of any player. And uh, Sace became the eighth Moroccan to receive a red card in the competition. So there you go. Yeah, well, uh, a bit of a stat for you. But we know what Zaha's about. We know what he does. Was he the right person to be marked by Sace? Well, as soon as he got the booking early on, you just thought, oh God, because Sahar's a brilliant at drawing fouls in and every time he gets fouls, he's straight up at the referee saying, look, look, you know, you're watching, you're watching. I think Johnny got him a few times. Matinho did it. Matinho's quite clever the way he does it. He always seems to do it in areas where like, you know, little niggles to stop him like advancing. But Sace was just clumsy. He was going nowhere, wasn't he? So, but I was surprised to find out as well, which I saw online. That's Sace's first red card for us, but he always seems to get bookings, doesn't he? But that is actually his first red card, which I was found quite a surprise because in my head, he seems to get loads of yellow cards. <coughs> yeah, but that's a harsh. When he spends more time on his arse than he does on his feet. It's unbelievable the amount of times he went down. I'd like to know the stats of how many fouls he won. Quite a lot, yeah. It felt like a, every other five minutes he was getting took down. But I bumped. I was talking to a Palace fan on the train on the way back from the game, and he was saying that they get frustrated with Zaha like we do with Traore. Yeah, he does all this brilliant work, gets around the back, draws fouls, wins things, but has that so far had no end product this year? I've seen lots of people like Sky Sports and 
the BBC gave man of the match to Traore. I just want your thoughts on that. I'll start with you, Harry. Well, yeah, I said a minute ago, my little ranter went on. I'm shocked at the criticism he got. He played well first half when the whole team did, put a few good balls in. I think the only criticism a lot of people are going on about is that he weren't tracking back at times. But like I mentioned, he was playing like right wing up front. He weren't wing back first half. And then second half, Jack meant, I think Jack said it was a poor cross, but he still got the assist. So he's a threat. Every time he was running at them, they were worried. They were almost tripling up on him at times. So he's been great at the start of this season and I wish people would just cut some slack with him and yeah I'd put him up there one of our best players on the night yeah on the day Jack? Uh, no I agree that he's he's been good this season I don't think anybody particularly stood out on against Palace really Patricio? Um, yeah maybe Patricio but um, yeah Chore, he just he just frustrates me and we have this conversation every week don't we and I just still can't work him out and don't know where I stand with him and he is like a, that Marmite character but I don't think he had a particularly great game against Palace to know to be honest I, I, uh, Bailish finish yeah, I struggle with giving man of the matches to goalkeepers it means it's usually been a crap game if that's the case <laughs> just one last thing Sam I really liked it first half I know Sace got sent off and I thought he played quite well first half as we mentioned I really liked Sace on the left side of the back three and Bolly on the right I think that worked really well it's something to think about isn't it certainly and obviously with I will talk about Reading towards the end of the podcast but with Cody actually being dropped for the first time um, without having a suspension to deal with that sort of tells you that you know that changes may be afoot I suppose and you're willing to experiment I guess really going into a Premier League game though the sixth game of the season without a win is maybe not the right time to be doing that but I guess we'll just wait and see with that so that brings then to Crystal Palace we'll move on now to Carabao Cup action and Reading at home Hi I'm Steve Ball and you're listening to the 77 Club so it looked like it was going to be a fairly routine win, didn't it, Harry, in that first half? Wolves were on top. Many, many changes uh, to the side that played against Crystal Palace. I'll just go over that uh, side for you very quickly, which was Ruddy in goal, Vallejo, Bennett, Kilman, Doherty, Jadal, Neves, Vinagre, Nato, Catrone and Gibbs White. On the face of it, Reading 21st in the Championship, not doing great. You'd think that second string side should be... a Reading side that has Charlie Adam in it. <laughs> yeah, bloody Charlie Adam, forgot he existed. But yeah, um, as we say, first half, quite comfortable really. 1-0, obviously a very uh, fortunate goal from Jordao, who went off injured not long after, but I don't know what the keeper was doing. It was fairly comfortable, but then second half, you think we're going to try and uh, win 1-0 and go through with no worries, but it was already were all over us and their pressure prevailed in the end. They got that goal from a buddy Rabone across, by the way. I can't believe he pulled that out, which was ridiculous. I'm sure we'll see that on Soccer AM the, the weekend. But yeah, and then fair play to the lads. I thought we're out now. Momentum's with Reading, but everyone slotted their penalties away well. I mean, Reading's second penalty miss, I think it's just about to land now somewhere in the North Atlantic. <laughs> so yeah, fair play. The lads got the penalties done. I don't know if we want to be in the League Cup, do we? But if we can keep playing the kids in the League Cup, yeah. it's a good little competition to give some of the under-23s a run out, isn't it? First team football. And Jack, Connor Cody dropped. I think, do you think it's a form and tiredness thing? Is the right chance, the right opportunity to do it against so-called weaker opposition? Yeah, I think it's probably a mixture of both, really, um, because we all know if we had an out-and-out person in competition for that position, that they'd be pushing Cody very close, particularly after his performance against Chelsea, I think. But um, I just wanted to win a game. I wanted to win a game that wasn't in the Europa League. And we still managed to mess that up in the 99th minute of injury time or whatever it was. So, <laughs> um, positives, yeah, okay. It wasn't a first string team. Some of the youngsters got to run out. But again, we you know we couldn't hold on to a lead. I know obviously we had injury troubles as well towards the end, but 
it'd be nice to at least go through and have it at home win and build some confidence and have something to build on but uh, you know I suppose at least we did get through in the penalty shootout but going back to the point at the start do we want to be in this yes if we can just get through maybe another round or so without um with just playing the second string and the kids because you don't really want anybody who's going to be starting on, on the league game on Saturday to have, have, have started this game particularly really so it's just to get it is worrying getting too much particularly when we're in such bad form but you know yeah you, do, you always want to be winning football matches or getting through uh, Dan also that the bench didn't look too bad in terms of blooding some youngsters as well Taylor Perry getting on Meriton Shabani and Luke Cundall as well it's a good opportunity for them to get some minutes under their belt isn't it because they're not realistically going to get it in the Premier League or the Europa League yeah I completely agree obviously squad depth is something we're clearly struggling with and giving these lads a run out in this cup and saying look lads if you want to keep playing in the first team then you've got to get us through these rounds They've done it tonight by the skin of their teeth, but um, that's it. It, it. It's their way of getting a run out. Compare it to last year, Harry, and it's a year to the day since we went out on penalties to Leicester. So we, we've gone one better. Yeah, and I remember last year we were quite gutted, wasn't we? So I think we wanted a bit of a bit of a cup run last year in the League Cup, but a bit different this year. But like we've mentioned, it's good for the under-23s to play. Um, and as Jack, I think Jack mentioned off-air when we were talking earlier, if we do get through a few rounds with the kids and then get deep into it we can start taking it seriously can't we if we get to the quarters or something and then hopefully not get heartbroken we can take it seriously if we're looking like we're going through the Europa League group and we're mid-table in the Premier League that's when we can take it seriously yeah good point this is quite a good opportunity to have a cup run West Ham have gone out to Oxford obviously Spurs went out last night Um, you know the usual suspects are are making it through as well sort of your Leicester's Everton's uh, Chelsea beat Grimsby 7-1 so definitely a mismatch there um Villa going through but like I say it's you've got to be in it to win it and the League Cup is is probably the one that those top top sides don't always take as seriously and it, it does give you a real opportunity doesn't it Dan? Yeah of course it does it's it's a weird one isn't it because we were disappointed and then we had a fantastic cup run this year am I as bothered about the domestic ones? It's a bit snobbish isn't it for us to now not want to think about the domestic cups but our league form's not good enough I wouldn't have I don't want to see Wolves lose, obviously, but I wouldn't have been absolutely destroyed if we had gone out tonight. Well, we're going to move on to Premier League action again, which is the battle at the bottom, actually. Wolves versus Watford. Wolves currently in 19th place on four points, which is double the amount of points that Watford have in 20th. Your away perspective comes from Colin Mace at the Rookery End. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? So, Colin, how's it going to begin with? Well, a little bit despondent um, after last week's result. I, I think after the second half against Arsenal, we thought that we kind of our season had begun and we'd had a bit of a bounce with uh, Kike coming back, and it was a brilliant performance in the second half against Arsenal. Admittedly, Arsenal were terrible, but um, they sort of capitulated, and we got the two goals and got the point, and we felt pretty positive after that. And then. That's followed up by the toughest game of the season, really, or one of the two toughest games up at uh, the Etihad, where we just completely fell to pieces. And uh, so there was a lot of rage, as you would expect. And um, I don't know if the last time Wolves were on the end of an 8-0 drubbing, but it doesn't feel nice. And all the hilarity and all the fake concern from pundits about our club is very irksome. And uh, so, yeah, it took a bit of time to get over that one but then last night we came out in a we had a Carabao Cup game which was a proper banana skin because actually Swansea are only two places below us they're second in the championship we're rock bottom of the Premier League so uh, I expected a bit more from them but I think I I, I don't really know that side I think they picked a fairly young side 
And we were pretty dominant, I felt, throughout. And it was a kind of one of those weird, lazy games. It felt like a bit like a pre-season. There wasn't much intensity. But um, he made some changes and saw some some positive uh, some positive play from Watford and uh, Welbeck got his first goal for us. So yeah, there's a few, there was a few little bits of optimism, but that's a very different prospect from playing Premier League time. I think there's certainly a rivalry brewing, it seems. And I think it started with the FA Cup tie last season, then the yeah. game at Vicarage Road. And now I, I guess actually a tussle to try and come away from the relegation zone in the Premier League. Are Watford fans seeing it like that? I think so. I, I think it's fair. It's not. It's not one of those really angry rivalries. I don't yeah. think, anyway, personally. It's no. not like Everton, where I slightly snarl and <laughs> or Crystal Palace, <laughs> who we don't really get on very well with. But with Wolves, it's a, it's a new thing, obviously, because you came up last season. We were competing for for the same sort of part of the table. We had the 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 cup semi final, and then Deanie's comments uh, hope helped to. Um, to stir up a bit more rivalry. Yes. And then we fell apart because we were playing a cup final and you 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 cracked on and, and got seventh. But now this season, of course, for very different reasons, and I'm not sure what your what the reasons are at your club, we're both uh, in the bottom three and have had poor starts <laughs> to the Premier League season. So I suspect we yeah. it looks like one of those marriages made in heaven where we end up wherever wherever we are in the league, we're always next near each other and next to each other and uh, battling away. So this game on Saturday is an absolutely massive game for both clubs, I think. I mean, if you win it, you jump up to mid-table. If we win yeah. it, we give ourselves a chance of sort of just sneaking out of the bottom three. So uh, you're at home, you've got the advantage, you haven't got to play this Thursday, is that right? No, so we've got, um, we'll, we'll have played Reading in the uh, in the Carabao Cup on the Wednesday night, so uh, okay. depending on how that goes. But obviously, it's a three o'clock on a Saturday. We've, we've had one of those. The last one was against Chelsea. We shipped five goals for that. Um, in terms of a starting 11, and obviously taking account, you know what happened with your midweek game. We don't, as of time of recording. Yeah. What are Watford going to look like in terms of a lineup? Well, I mean, like all coaches, they tend to be conservative, don't they? Um, but I think that Welbeck has did enough last night to maybe earn a start against Wolves. He's he's a good target man, and he if he's fit and on form, he's the best striker at our club. And I don't say that lightly. The lad's got forty two caps for England and fourteen goals. He scored goals at Arsenal. Scored m- many goals for uh, Manchester United. If we can get him fit and and firing, he's definitely a better player than the other options we have up front. We've also got this lad, Saar, that we spent an awful lot of money on, who came on after about 60 minutes or 70. He, he played for about half an hour yesterday. And he's very, very fast and he looks confident on the ball. His movement is good. So I, I, we're all hoping that he can start to get a run in the side. He's only 19, so he's young. And he didn't have any kind of pre-season because he played in the final uh, of the African uh, Cup of Nations. But then someone pointed that out to me last night that so did Mane, and he hasn't had a bad start to the no, season in the right same now. team as Sar. So, <laughs> uh, but he's obviously a more experienced player. But So there's there's a couple yeah. of people that might come in. I would think Sar possibly, uh, although I expect he'll probably be on the bench, but I could see Welbeck starting in the absence of Dini. And and we're starting to get little bits of uh, of good news out of Pereira and Delafeu, who both had quite slow starts uh, to the season. In Pereira's case, he was, again, playing in the Copa America. So... Uh, and he's also travelled back to Argentina, I think, twice since then. So, but last night he was the difference, really. He he um, he got the assist and he got the winner against Swansea. So he, he's looking quite good. So I expect he'll start. 
Um, Delafay was on the bench last night, came on and, and just, he hates being on the bench. So it's the yeah. best place for him, frankly, because when he comes <laughs> on, he's like a totally different player. Yeah, well, um, we know that. <laughs> played. And Chalabar's a bit of a curate's egg for Watford fans because we've had him for three years. But he played last night and actually he was he was decent. He was decent, but cleverly came on and looked like a whole bundle of energy and dynamism like he always does. So I think Kike's got to make some decisions. Our real problem is at the back. I mean, that's really where we're weak. We haven't kept a clean sheet in any game of football except the Coventry game in the second round of the Carabao Cup since February. So, you know, it's that's that's really where where we're weak. So I expect there to be goals on Saturday. It's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? I think we'll obviously be second-guessing what the, the wall starting eleven will be, but there, and there will most likely be goals in it, mostly because both teams haven't exactly fared well, like you say, defensively so far this season. But I, if I put you on the spot, Colin, and ask you for a score prediction. I mean, uh, at best, I would say if we could get, if we could get out, of, out of Molyneux with a draw, two all draw, say, yeah. I, I would personally be quite happy. That would be progress for us after the Man City game. It would show that we, you know, we were up for the fight. Uh, what we worry about as Watford fans is that some of the players don't really look like they're up for the fight. And we are in a fight already this early in the season with so few points from so many games. You've got to see that spirit. You've got to see that battling spirit. When we, when we come up against Sheffield United and Norwich and Aston Villa, you know, they, they're newly promoted. They, they already know they're in a fight for Premier League survival the moment they get promoted. So they, they're sort of up and ready for that. We've been in the, in the league, this is our fifth season, and, it, it, you know, looking at some of the players, a couple of players, I don't really want to mention names, and you've looked at them and you think, hmm, you don't quite look like you're really up for this. You know, mm. you're coasting a little bit or yeah. you're, you're hiding a little bit. So that worries me. So I think if we could get away with a, with a draw at Molyneux on Saturday against, you know, a, a side that hasn't changed, although interestingly, of course, you've made so many more changes this year than, than last year. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're two clubs that are kind of trying to find themselves in the league at the moment. So for me, a point would be great if we could win it, it would be absolutely fantastic. But I don't come with that sort of any kind of realistic hope of that. So, yeah, a point would be would be would be good for me. Seventh game of the season. Is it a must win? For Watford, not a must win. Must not I lose. It's a must win for either team, really. But it, it's a game you want to get. You want to get some points. You just need to accumulate points in the early part of the season. Um uh, and, and take some of the pressure off yourself. And I think that's true for both clubs. So it'll be an interesting one. I expect it will either be, it'll go either two ways. It will either be a very nervy encounter in which both teams try not to concede because obviously you got thumped by Chelsea, we got thumped yeah. by City. Um, or it will be a kind of mad cup tie up and at them. And it'll just, there'll be no defending to speak of. It'll just be who can score the most goals. I expect it'll be one or other of those two, those two types of <laughs> Take your pick. Well, Colin, best of bad luck for the weekend. And thank you yeah, for talking you. to the 77 Club. The Away Perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Good away perspective from Colin, as always, at the rookery end. Talking about that rivalry that does seem to be brewing with Watford. And you welcome it, because obviously, you know, you've got tin pot teams like Aston Villa in there that are obviously going to talk about rivalries and that sort of thing. But it's nice to have those ones that aren't local derbies, but they do mean something because there's a little bit of context to it. Um, Harry, with a return to Premier League action, obviously Carabao Cup action at midweek, lots of changes there. I'll just go over that Reading team very quickly, which is Ruddy and goal. Vallejo, Bennett in the middle, taking Cody's pace. Uh, Kilman in there, Doherty, Jordao, Neves, Vinagre, Nato, Catrone and Gibbs-White on the left. So I imagine there's going to be changes, lots for you in terms of starting eleven. what a Wolves going to look like. Is it going to be similar to that Crystal Palace side or is it going to be maybe back towards the one that got thumped by Chelsea? I think it'll be 
maybe the, the exact starting lineup that started at Palace just because of that first half performance. So I think that's what he'd go for. Because Nuno, if he, something does well, he tends to stick with it, doesn't he, and keep going with it. So that's what I think pretty much the team will be. I'm, I was glad that we didn't mention it just uh, earlier when we were talking about the Palace game, but I was glad when he dropped Neves. I think it was about time. He was being very deep. Obviously, he played against um, Reading in the Cup and he was alongside Bennett for a lot of the bits I watched of it. So, yeah, um, same team that started at Palace for me and hopefully we get the wings. It's a bloody huge game, isn't it? Yeah, I'd be looking to go with the same sort of team as we did at Palace. I, I think we looked pretty strong there in the first half. It was just that lapse after half-time. Sace obviously served his ban against Reading so he can come back in the team. It's just that Neves one, do you play him or not? He, he looked pretty good when he did come on, but he's been really deep. He sat so deep for part of the season, you know, this part of the season so far. I just want to see Wolves playing that football where we get out wide, play with a load of pace and create chances, which we did in the first half. We were unlucky not to score a goal. But, You've still got to stick him in the onion bag, haven't you, to win games? So, I don't know. A high-scoring game is what I want to see. Yeah, I wouldn't be too upset if it was very similar to the team that started against Palace, particularly given that first half. But I think I'd like to give everyone out for Catrone, really, because at least it's something different to the Yotta and Jimenez, who I think both have been out of form lately. And he runs about and he tries. And in a game where we're struggling... We really need a result and a performance. We need to put the ball in the back of the net. Maybe just maybe give the nod to him and then change it later if needs be. Because um, I think if he does actually score a proper decent goal, he really could go on a run of form for us. But 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 we'll we'll see. It's a really difficult one because it's such a, a tough tough game and an important game so early in the season. Two teams at the bottom. Two teams who are, it played in FA Cup semi-finals and finals. Uh, last season and then suddenly in a few months down the line we're the bottom two in the Premier League without a win between us it's it's balmy football is mental and you can you can talk about the Europa League you can talk about whatever I mean well what's happened to them they haven't had a European campaign to play in and they've, they've you know coming on the back of an absolute thumping it's it's going to be a highly competitive game but it's just one of these where I know we said last week if we don't win at Palace or whatever will we panic if we if we lose to Watford do we panic then Oh, I don't know when does panic set does it does it set in yet I mean after I think Harry we're talking about sort of 10 games in where you look at a, yeah. a table and, and you sort of go oh that's actually probably roughly where, how it's going to finish you'll have some movers and shakers in there as well without being too obvious but Harry off the back of an 8-0 you know they did very very well not to take a, an unwanted Premier League record which is obviously the 9-1 that belongs to Manchester yeah. United against Ipswich and to be, what was it, 5-0 down after 18 God, minutes? Imagine. I think it shows a little bit of character, actually, that the squad has, that it was just one of those bad days at the office because, actually, when you've got, what, 72 minutes left to play of a game and you're already 5-0 down, it does show something, doesn't it? Yeah, and the, obviously the week before, they drew 2-2 with Arsenal, so I think they thought their season was going to start kicking on. And a good point, obviously, I was on that Love Sport radio show um, for the Watford uh, preview they do. And their lad on there was saying, like the different the walls are literally mirroring each other, like Jack said. Semi final of the FA Cup, pushing for seventh last year. Both started the season really bad. The difference is Watford got rid of their manager, didn't they? Early swapped and brought their old manager in, so they've panicked, got rid quick. We obviously are sticking with Nuno. And they asked the question, like you just asked, when do you start panicking? When do you want to get rid of Nuno? And I was like, no way. Like Q 
stick with Nuno, get to about 12 games in. If we still ain't won then, then maybe. But if we lose Saturday, yes, we know it'll be meltdown on social media. But for me, let's stick with Nuno. He can turn it round. And according to uh, our friend Tim Spears, after the Crystal Palace game, he saw Nuno with Jeff Shee and co. And they're all high-fiving and that after the last-minute winner. So I think for the rumours that are going around that Nuno might be a bit under pressure from the board, maybe a bit false. But obviously, if it does carry on really bad, maybe down the line a bit, it will uh, start to question Nuno's future, but at the moment, no way. And Bayley's keeping an eye on social media during that Palace game, and with sort of half an hour, hour to go, lots of fans were saying, you know, he's got half an hour to save his job. Do, would you have thought that was probably the case? Uh, and obviously, he, he I took the, the whole half an hour to do it. I disagree. He's got he's got plenty of time. He's done enough at Wolves, and he's got the quality of players. He's got plenty of time to do it. That said, I have prepared my therapist and the GP. <laughs> and after the Southampton game if we haven't picked many more points then I am going into a full mental breakdown <laughs> excellent think, well you love to hear it it makes good I, podcasting I think to even for me to even actually contemplate considering Nuno's position we'd have to still be bottom at Christmas for yeah. me to even give it, give it a thought and even then if we put up a fight and had a fight back I'd be quite happy to if we if he got us relegated to I think he'd be the man to take us back up <laughs> yeah, that's, that's thing, a good point it? that. Yeah, that, yeah. it's yeah, mad it's, that we're having yeah. this conversation though that two three good results now in the next five this will be completely forgotten about we started slow last year and we all lost well I lost the plot it'd be just like Wolves uh, we always say things like this but to lose Saturday at Watford and go and beat City away or something you know something like that could happen with that's us that's the one isn't it yeah that's the way it normally pans <laughs> yeah I mean like. I know we're all, we're all panicking now but then who knows in a couple of months we might comfortable in the table and you know into the Europa League next round and everything's dandy but at the moment it's it's tough and I th- honestly do think we just need our first win we need a bit of luck to go for us and with the Palace game particularly with their goal luck was not on our side that day at all and we need we need something like that to go in our favour and even if we beat Watford as a scrappy 1-0 at least we've got that three points it takes the pressure off and we can kick on and build from there because I just think at the moment everyone's panicking confidence is, is low and we just and you see saw their heads go down and it just all go to pot as soon as we let in that goal early on last Sunday so we just need a bit of luck on our side we need every, all of the Molyneux to get behind us and we just need to just f- play and focus like we did last season and take it one game at a time and not look at the bigger picture it's one of those isn't it because you talk about those short-term gains you don't know how it's going to look in a couple of weeks and for you boys obviously going to Bratislava regardless it could be losing to Besiktas in the Europa League and going all the way to Bratislava not to see a game of football because it's behind closed doors could be bottom <laughs> cheap, of the league cheap or flights could be mid-table, mid-table top of the Europa League group and, and the game goes ahead so it literally seems to be all or nothing at the moment so, to be fair the way we've been playing the way we've been playing it might be a blessing if we don't have to watch that game although <laughs> <laughs> well, you were looking on Google earlier and was it 93 pence a pint I think apparently it I think that's a bit I think that might be a bit too cheap but yeah for anyone out, out there today myself uh, Dan and Harry booked our flights to Bratislava for a game that might not we might not even be able to watch but we worked out the cheaps were, the flights worked out stupidly cheap the pints are as Jack, under a quid a go and it's supposed to be a beautiful city so if we don't get to see it, we're just going to basically knock and bang on the doors of the stadium until someone tells us to fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, you're going to go and knock on the behind closed doors. Excellent. Right, okay. Well, um, just give us a score prediction, Harry. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-0 Wolves win. Crisis over. Ba- Bayliss? Oh, I'd so love what Harry said to be true. I'd love it to happen. Uh, one or draw. Excellent. And Jack? I think we've got we've got a win, man. Especially when these have just been thumped and have flooded in goals. But I'll take one 0 <laughs> One 0 will be fine. 
I think 1-0. I think I tend to agree with you there. Let's get your bet- latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Kelly, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club and it's unbelievable, Jeff. Yeah, so as always, we have got some odds over from our partners at fansbet.com. There's going to be plenty more again going up before the weekend. But have a look at these few that I've picked out uh, today that I fancy. It's uh, Traore, first goal scorer, just shy of 9-1. to one. I think that's a good price. He looked really lively against uh, against Palace. Ooh, yeah, maybe. Also, always go with the scores. You've got a massive selection here. I think there's going to be goals abundant. We've both shipped goals, well, pretty freely. And Wolves looks a lot better going forward. A 3-2 Wolves, a 4-2 Wolves, a 4-3 Wolves, or a 5-1 Wolves <laughs> is 10 and a half to 1. Dan, can I just ask what um, Wolves 1-0 is? Because that would mean that we'd have taken the lead in a Premier League game. So a one nil Wolves would be six and a half to one. Six and a half to one. And bearing in mind, like I just said, that we haven't taken the lead in a Premier League game. That is obviously mm. quite short odds, I thought. Yeah, yeah. The one that I've gone with is um, a score draw, 3.2 to one. Jack has your ticket news. Yeah, uh, not that much news to report this week, ticket fans. So the Watford home game on Saturday is sold out. <laughs> ticket fans. What's he laughing You just believe that people are listening to 25 minutes of this crap to go, oh, I wonder how many tickets are left. People, <laughs> people are like, I like ticketing. I think I think this is the best part of this podcast. It's the actual bit of it's true. Can't then race dubs. <laughs> so uh, Besiktas away, uh, that they're still on sale to all members, I believe. I think we shifted to hopefully about, expected about a crowd of a thousand for that one which will be good City away is sold out which is the Sunday after Besiktas and looking a bit further ahead to the Southampton home game that is currently on sale to members with at least 140 loyalty points and for those members with 120 loyalty points as of Thursday and that's it at the moment Jack if people would like to go to away European ties what chances have they got of getting a ticket depending on where they stand on the points well, they're on sale to me. I think pretty much every game so far has gone down as far as members, which is shocking. But I think it's just because of the price involved and the fact they're Thursday nights and people have limited annual leave and it's just expensive. It's not like going and taking your kids to an away game. You've got to suddenly fly them all out and get hotels. It's it's a massive expense. So if you're a member, you'd have got one for every game. I think Prague is going to be a bit of a high demand one. Looking just judging by online. I think loads have planned to go to that out the three, haven't they? That's yeah, the one we're not doing. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> as you say though, Jack, We've done our Bratislava trip. Yes, it might be behind closed doors, but as you all know, I commute up from London for home games. It's working out cheaper to get to Bratislava, buy my ticket, have five pints and some lunch than it does for me to go to Wolves on a Saturday. <laughs> that is true. crazy, isn't it? I mean, that, yeah. that is the state I, I think of... it is just the fact it's Thursday nights. It's, it's yeah, midweek. It's you've, you've got to take at least two days holiday and not many people have got much annual leave left this time of year. True. Very good point. Uh, right, okay. Let's talk about Fosun and Thomas Cook. Hi, this is this is some daft shit in the high street. I'm speaking to someone who got picked on the school for him ginger hair. Hi, this is Gaza. Welcome to the 77 fucking high street club. Is that right? That's almost minging anyway. Hi, it's Gaza. This is 77 club. It was a couple of weeks ago, I think it's the day that we lost to Chelsea, that the story first surfaced of uh, Fosun being open to offers to buy a stake in the club. And didn't really think much of it at the time because through sort of the summer, the rolling news story with Fosun's um, sort of fingers in the pies of Thomas Cook, if you would, for want of a better phrase, was that there was going to be some sort of deal to 
save and then finance Thomas Cook as a company. And obviously, Foson have got money in Club Med as well, so they're not um, strangers to the travel industry. But from what I can see this week is the deal that they were trying to put together with Thomas Cook would mean that they would take over um, 75% of the travel firm and 25% of the airline. And then the other investors would be the other way around, taking on 25% of the travel company and 75% of the airline, if that makes sense. And obviously that deal fell through. And Bayliss, obviously you've been looking at it as well. And just your thoughts on why that fell through. I think we probably know that it's one of those classic things where a company that's 100 and odd years old has failed to keep up with the times when something moves extremely quickly. Most definitely. And I think what it also proves is that Thomas Cook were clearly royally screwed because Foson had been preparing this for a long time. So to work out that it's not worth bailing them out because of how much money they would have lost if they had have gone down after bailing them out clearly meant they were in a ton of shit. So I think Foson have cut their losses and just got out and that's why they've gone pop so quickly. But obviously it, it hits the papers pretty quickly. Yeah, so I've heard a couple of stories on the back of this. So obviously I saw that article today about Thomas Cook and... Um Foes and potentially losing with obviously Bayless saying that's not happened but also for this 20% sale thing um, are all selling 20% well, I think they're trying to raise capital aren't they They, if they were going to dig out anybody or buy any other asset you've got to raise the cash to do it even though they've probably got tons um, so they're probably trying to leverage it against saving Thomas Cook or saving somebody or doing something with that money so that's why they're selling a bit of walls yeah, well, I had the other reason for it was because we didn't have the best transfer window in the world. There's a there's a podcast called literally called the Transfer Podcast, and there's two journalists on it, and they were saying that Fosen are bringing in twenty percent investors because they want to go big in January, and the fact that they missed out on Ruben Diaz and people like that was because we didn't know if we were going to be in the Europa League group stages at the time because we we're still in the qualifiers and we had Torino coming up. So yeah, that's what they were, and they were quite they're quite credible journalists on this podcast. I forget their names now, sorry, but if you list, if you search it up, you'll find it. So that, that's what they were saying. But this was just before the Thomas Cook article and all that come out. So whether well, they're I agree with what you're right. saying, Harry, because remember that Foson didn't pay a huge amount for Wolves, and Wolves are worth a hell of a lot more now than what Foson paid for it. So if you sell twenty percent of a hell of a lot more's capital worth, they're going to get a lot of money for nothing. Jack, were you worried when the story came out? Because I think we were sort of saying, oh, you know, back to League One now. And I think obviously there's a little bit more meat on the bones of it rather than just speculation at this stage. Yeah, I think it was one of those where when you initially hear that, it, you, your initial reaction is to be worried. Like, why are they selling? What are they selling? What, what's going on? But then I think once you actually had time to digest it and people have come out and said why and the reasons behind it, it, it made me not as worried to be honest. So it's, yeah, I think it was one of those that was just a shock to hear in the first instance. But I suppose once it's been explained and you've actually had time to digest it and think it through, it kind of makes more sense. And it's a lot of paper talk today. I think um, the Daily Fail and the Sun have picked it up and saying, sort of throwing around a number of a billion pounds in losses because of uh, the Thomas Cook problems. But obviously um, more will come out for that over the next coming days so at the moment it would be speculation but I think Dan you've probably got a point there is actually I think it was um, 45 million that that Foson bought Wolves for and when your overall worth as a business as Foson is 5 billion you're sort of looking at a 20% stake in a football club which was 45 million pounds when they bought it it's probably actually a drop in the ocean let's also remember that a billion quid loss is obviously a horrendous amount of money but Foson make over 10 billion a year 
profit. It's very true. Yeah, profit. yeah, I think it's very true. Yeah. yeah, and like I say, I suppose this is where the importance of making sure that you're hitting these group stages, and if you can get past the group stage of the Europa League, as obviously the cash that you get from that, but also the league finishes in the Premier League are worth so much more every single year because the deals are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the gulf between the Championship and the Premier League is so big because it's something like when you get a televised game with the Premier League, you get about a million pounds. And in the Championship, that's about 75 grand, which just shows you the gulf between those sides and why promotion is so important and, and why it's so important to stay in the league as well. Um, but that obviously we want to keep an eye on. Um, but what we'll do now is we'll leave Harry Mantle. See you in a bit. Jack Williams. Bye, guys. And Dan Bayliss. Goodbye, Wolves fans. And we play Level Up. Hi, I'm George Lokomi. You are listening to the Wolves 77 Club. So it is Level Up time and I'm joined by Aaron Aversol. Aaron, how are you to begin with? Sam, my man, I am doing awesome. Thank you, brother. Now, we had uh, someone from Sweden on uh, last week, David, and this week... Yeah, he was really good. You're, you're in America at the moment. How is America looking? It's very good, man. September, good weather. The sun is finally... Uh, it's not so hot. I'm excited. <laughs> Excellent. I'm worrying about letting my whole country down in this quiz. But, <laughs> well, don't um, worry. Yeah, You've okay. got a man over there that's doing that for you. Now, <laughs> let's talk about... Wolves and your first Wolves game. What was your first Wolves game? Uh, I think it was it was at Arsenal for sure. That would have been 2009-2010 season uh, away at Arsenal. Uh, after uh, that was when I bet nil nil draw, and we had a nil nil draw going into the 93rd minute when Nicholas Bittner, the prick, <laughs> headed the ball into the net and lost me money and lost my first Wolves game and made me fall in love with the club. And you've been in love with the club ever since. Is there a standout moment for you over the last nine years that is, you know, your favourite? You look back on and go, "That's why I do this." My favourite moment seriously was at this would have been in u.s time at 11 30 a.m passed out with my stephen fletcher jersey on the ground uh drunk at 11 30 a.m after we came back to stay up what was that 2011 2012 against blackburn yes oh what a time I was a complete train wreck that entire morning um, and got wasted on tequila in the first half when we were down. I think it was 3-0 in the first half and we were done. Yeah. And uh, when Stephen Hunt, I think it was, yeah. when he curled that ball in, I fell off my bar chair. They had to carry me outside. I lost my jersey and my wife had to come pick me up with her parents um, drunk on the sidewalk at 11 in the morning on a Sunday. It can't be bad, is it? It's good to see how some things never change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Typical Sunday for me. So in terms of uh, Level Up, you've obviously listened to the podcast and you've listened of to how the guys have done. The regulars are top of the tree at the moment. Do you fancy your chances? No, not at all, obviously. Excellent. Um, I'm a, I'm Come on, you're supposed to be the American and, uh, you know, really, really competent and thinking you're going to do well. Okay, okay. I, I will try to show more confidence. All right, I'm going to dominate. Let's, yeah. As long as I beat Bayless, I don't care. I don't care who else. I just want to beat Bayless. Yeah, everybody says that. Right, okay, Aaron, let's do this. Let's play right. Level Up. Let's play Level Up. Who did Wolves sign Diogo Jota from? Atletico Madrid. Level one. Up he goes to level one. Good start, Aaron. Oh, I can't believe I got it right. <laughs> Which American football team won the 2001-2002 Super Bowl? 
I'm going to go New England Patriots. Level two. Up he goes to level two. That was kind. Here we go. Number three. How many times have Wolves won the League Cup? They're, of course, in League Cup action at time of recording. League Cup. The League Cup. I'm going to go with two. Level three. Oh, he's taking a gamble. Up he goes to level three. This is looking good. Oh, my gosh. I got that right. (laughs) Okay. I went to the museum. I went to the museum when I was there, and I remember that. Okay. Okay. Keep going. Here we go. We're on a roll here. Question number four. Which three teams join England and the USA in the Rugby World Cup Pool C? Oh, he's going to pass on the rugby question. Okay, not too bad. It was France, Argentina, and Tonga. So still on level three. Here we go. Question number five. In the 17-18 season, who were the first side to beat Wolves in the league? Uh... Oh, gosh, that was our awesome season. Oh, that had uh, a Cardiff City. Level four. Up he goes. Level four. Incredible start, And Here we go. This to put you in the lead with half the questions to go. It's a year to the day until the Ryder Cup. Which venue is hosting it? Pass. Gonna... Is, is, that go- is that golf? It is golf, yeah, but you passed. It's obviously in the United States and it's Whistling Straits Golf Course over in Wisconsin. No, thanks. No, thank you. Who did Wolves sell Matt Jarvis to following Premier League relegation? Oh my gosh, I know this one. I can't believe I have to pass. I'm going to have to pass. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Oh, you're going to pass West Ham. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. So still on level four. Here we go. Three to play for. Why okay. was there no baseball World Series in 1994? That was uh, because of a player strike. Level five. Up he goes. Level five. This is interesting now. Two questions left. Top of the leaderboard, Aaron. Who knocked Wolves out of last season's League Cup? Okay, the League Cup. I think I have, I think I have a guess, and I think I'm gonna go for it because I believe it was on penalties zero zero, and I think it was Leicester City. Level six. Up he goes. Level six. Oh, Incredible. Yes. Yeah, right. Zero zero, and and we were, it was like the worst penalties we've ever taken ever. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Lost three three one on penalties. So Who gets one penalty? Brutal. This is okay. this is incredible, Aaron. You are you're going to be top of the leaderboard either way, and if you take the gamble, you could end up on level seven. But either way, you're going to finish top. So here we go. It is a rugby question. Okay, rugby. Who won the 2019 Six Nations? I I really want to go for this Six Nations rugby. Okay, who's good? Wales is good, right? In- England's good. New Zealand's always good, but I think they choked. I don't even know if they're in the Six Nations. Wait, the Six Nations are over there. So those (laughs) countries aren't even in it. So Six Nations, I think it's got to be either Wales or England. I'm going to go for this, and I am going to guess Wales. Level seven. Up he goes to level seven and takes the leaderboard. Incredible, Aaron. Uh, I don't know what to say so top of the leaderboard how'd you feel i feel great i'm gonna bet most of the wolves fans are probably like that one was too easy that one's too easy but i think it's pretty good when i don't get to see all the games um so uh killer i'm really pumped i'm glad i didn't embarrass myself too much if you could ask bayless those same questions as long as bayless couldn't even answer those same questions i think i'm gonna be pretty proud of myself excellent well Aaron, thank you for joining us on the 77 club 
Hey, go Wolves, three points. Let's go this week. This is the week we turn it around, everybody. We're on it. Hi, I'm Matt Murray. You're listening to the 77 Club. 77 Club for life, yo. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.